so it's a little hard to follow along. Um, but there's some reasons for that that I'll, I'll at least get into a little bit once we, once we start jumping into this. We're kind of looking at, at, at uh, we started in 9. We, we covered some of those verses last week. Uh, but of course, that has to be read in the context of let's all sing together to everything. Anyway, uh, to verses there. All right, Bonnie remembers. Okay, um, Bonnie, we could set you up. No. Um, well, th- but that has to be read in in context of the first eight verses of chapter three. Thank you, Bill, and um, to know that <clears throat> um, to everything there is a purpose, a time for every. Uh, everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And so that's kind of the the, the overarching theme here. Uh, but then he's going to get into some specifics. And, and notice, um, he, he brings God into the equation, and then he starts to describe really life that appears to be void of God, yet at the same time, he's talking about a situation where God tests humanity. So God is not taken out of the equation. But, but so it's, it's really fascinating to me what, to look at this and try to, try to really grab a hold of what he's talking about. And of course, I didn't wear the t-shirt tonight, but your mileage is going to vary on how you interpret some of this. But... Um, but we're, we're, in verse 16, moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, in, iniquity or wickedness was there. Um, and so th- this is kind of how he, he starts off. But, uh, and it's believed that, that he's talking about the realm of public justice, the, the courts, which I find fascinating because, well, aren't you the king? Well, that's true, but it wasn't like he decided every particular case that was happening in, in, in the land of Israel. He had, you know, a span of control, and, and uh, there were things that was beyond him, and there were those who were appointed. Um, and, you know, as I thought about this, is who was it? Lord Acton said every, uh, he said, Lord Acton said, well, I don't know the first part of the quote that I was going to try to quote for you, but I'll, so I'll go to the second half of it is that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, um, which Lord Acton said that. And um, he talks about all powerful men are bad men, actually, and, and probably has some truth to that. Um, but what I think what we're looking at here in these, in these, uh, these 14, ver- well, not 14 verses, but these six to seven verses that we're going to look at tonight is uh, that we're, we're kind of looking at life from a perspective uh, w- without God maybe being central. But I think in some regards, to look at this, it can help us to further understand what people who don't walk with God go through in their life. What do they think about when they think about these things? What do they deal with when they think about these things? Um, because I think, I think we get so... Christianized at times that we forget, and and I, 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 perhaps part of this is here to really to give us a reminder, um, and and the reason 
Cindy, why had you read verses um, 1 through 3, and I wasn't intending and interrupting, but I'll try to do that again next time you read, and, and it somehow. But anyway, uh, is he starts off with this, this idea of oppression and judgment, and then he kind of lets it go, but then he comes back to it at the beginning of chapter 4, which we'll look at next week. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing, though, that he's noticed in the place of judgment, and uh, in, in my margin, I have the word in the place of justice. So that could refer to their court system. Uh, in the place of, of, of justice, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. And, and so, um, of course, I don't, I don't think... How do you quantify this? Is he talking about each and every... Each and every court of law. I I, I don't think that's the case, but I, but obviously that that characteristic was prevalent enough for him to notice it. And is it any different today? Um, one bad apple in every bunch. Sometimes one bad bag of apples in every, you know, a bushel. Yeah. Um, and um, what's that? Well, I, I think this, this is really hard because the part of the thing is, and I'm not talking about any of you here right now. <laughs> Everybody believes their cause is just, don't they? Have you been reading the Proverbs, talking about this? And you know what I'm finding about the Proverbs is I'm trying to read them. I've, I've, I've forgotten a few times, all right? So, so, so what? Okay. But I'm starting to recognize, oh, I remember this when I read this last time. And so it's, it's starting to kind of work its way in. And I think the Proverbs are just incredible uh, pieces of wisdom literature for us to, to really to glean from. But um, everybody thinks they're right. And that's, that's the problem. Um, I think that's the problem of why everybody, particularly politically, because when you talk courts, when you talk justice, you, you're not far from the political spectrum. In fact, it's the politicians who appoint the judges, right? At least in this country. And so um, when you talk politics, there's, there's, everybody believes they're right. You know, and 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 they've got their they've got their commentator to turn to who says, "Yeah, this guy said this," you know, or that person said this. And so, um, I remember even growing up hearing those things of "Be careful what you read," you know, and "Be careful what you hear because not everything you hear is true," you know. And, and so, um, there is this sense of injustice, and there is the sense of wickedness. Um, and yet, he comes right here and he responds to that in verse 17, which I like where he says, God's going to judge wickedness. So, he is um, he's definitely bringing God back into the equation here. Where Now, I think this is interesting because he's writing this as the king. And... 
I think he's probably commenting about more than just what's going on in Israel. But I'm speculating because it doesn't say. And so you can speculate and decide, no, he's not. And your speculation might be just as equal uh, as mine is. And so, but, you know, because, yes, he was aware of the governments of other nations that surrounded Israel as well. Um, But he says, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time, now he's bringing us back to what? Chapter 3 again, verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. That's, where, that's, the, that's part of this theme that he's bringing in here in this particular chapter um, where he's saying there is, there is a time um, for every purpose and for every work. Now that sounds very, really reassuring, but it also sounds really frustrating, doesn't it? Because what about if God's purpose is not quite yours? What about if your purpose is in aligned with his, but his timing isn't quite what you would like it to be? What? Well, yeah, but you still have to live with the consequences. Particularly in the context here, Daniel, of God judging and, and uh, God judging both the righteous and the wicked. Now, this is probably referring to the end judgment. Um, and that's, that's probably what, what, it's, what it's really talking about here. Um, but he says, uh, I, I said in my heart concerning the conditions of the sons of man, God tests them. Well, I'll get into that in just a minute. But he, he's probably talking about... Uh, the end times, and yet, uh, if he's saying that there is a purpose uh, for every work, there is a time and a purpose for every work, whose work? Whose work is it talking about here in verse 17? I think it's talking about God's purpose, God's work, and that there is a time for every purpose uh, under that. And, And so, we can rest in that, But if you are in the midst of experiencing your own injustice brought upon you, I think it takes a while to get to that place where that actually becomes a sense of comfort. Your mileage is going to vary on this one, right? Like, what doesn't it vary, right? Some people are like, oh, yeah, well, God's going to, you know, and so I'll just deal with it. Other people, they're angry. They're angry, and they want vindication, which is that you've got to be careful with that. You've really, you really got to be careful with that. Um, what is it? I don't think it's in the Proverbs, and I can't remember the reference, but it, it says, maybe it is a proverb. It says that if God is judging your enemy and he sees that you are happy about it, he'll stop doing it. Some of you are looking at me like, it's, that's really in the Bible? Yes, it is. I, if, if you want, I'll take the time after I'm done, and I'll find it for you, because it's there. And, I, and, it's like, and I have seen it happen from time to time, and I see God judging my enemy, and I'm like, wow. And I'm not happy. 
<laughs> I am not happy, you know? And, uh, you know, and there, I remember one time I was even thinking, God, couldn't you have done this when I was a little bit more spiritually mature to handle it? You know, because I don't want you to stop. You know, at the same time, I don't want to be happy because you will stop, right? So the motives are not quite maybe where they should be, right? But, but uh, nonetheless, notice that the God, ju- God judges the righteous and the wicked. So that can be really looked at in a lot of different ways. Um, And so I think it's very hard sometimes to, to just entrust certain things to God. And again, your mileage is going to vary on that one. Some things in our lives, I think, are pretty easy to entrust to God. Other things in our lives are not quite so, I think, easy to entrust to him. And, and so, nonetheless, this back half, or actually, really, this entire verse, um, is something that we can hang on to. It's something that's very generic. Uh, but it's also, I think, a very strong truth that, that, that sometimes we really are going to wrestle until we get to that place, right? Does that make sense? Um, because I want, I want my justice, and I want it now. Remember Jesus talked about the unrighteous judge, of how the woman kept coming to him and saying to him, give me justice, vindicate me, Right? And he, Jesus says that the judge says, I am, uh, you know, I'm a powerful judge. I don't respect God or man. But because this woman is nagging, basically, I'm going to give her her justice. And so how much, and, and so really Jesus is using that illustration to talk to us about what? No. Well, okay. I'll get back to that. Okay, so Jesus is using that illustration to talk to us about what? Prayer. Yes, but, it, but it's in the context of prayer. But it is in the same thing, yes, because God in his, uh, in his time for every purpose and for every work. So, and, and so... Prayer just fascinates me, and I because there's 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 evidence in the Bible that that we can hasten things by prayer. You could almost say we can change things by prayer, and yet I think primarily prayer. I'm wondering if that's part of why our prayer, some people's prayer life, doesn't seem to work. Because it's nothing more than a, a grocery list to God. Excuse me. Because I think it, or, um, I think prayer is first and foremost in a, God's method of communion with us and God's method of changing us. 
first and foremost. Although there are other elements of chains that God allows in our lives, are there not? Right? What would two of those be? Two that I'm thinking of. Who's reading my mind tonight, right? <laughs> one would be the Bible. Yeah. And one, you said teaching? Yeah, teaching. And also the circumstances of life have a way of changing us, right? Anything else? I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Well, I, I would hope, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Anyway. Cheers. Um, okay, that's the easy part for tonight. <laughs> you rolled your eyes. <laughs> no, you were like, oh, no, that was, that was, a, sorry, it's fine. Actually, that wasn't an eye roll, sorry. Verse 18. Okay, we're going in the deep end now. I said in my heart, notice he said that in 17. I didn't commentate on that. He said on my heart, all right. So he's meditating on these things. You know, you know what I really, uh, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to. What I really hate was, is when I'm in bed and all of a sudden I start getting great sermon material. Because <laughs> I hate getting out of bed once I'm in it, right? And if it's a Saturday night, I'm like, sometimes I'll get up and keep going with it, right, for a while. And sometimes I'll just write the thought down and I don't develop it. In other words, I don't meditate upon it until later. Start to unpack the idea, right? And, and, but sometimes, it's, it's, and, and I do this in some of my seminary writing, I'm just throwing the thoughts out, right? And in fact, I've got, I've got a page that I've got to try to condense between sometime either tonight or tomorrow. All kinds of thoughts, but nothing's really developed. So I'm glad that none of you are ever going to see that. But, um, but what's going on here right, with, with Solomon? And he's, he's developing the thoughts. Because what happens to me when I don't get out of bed, half the time in the morning I don't remember what it was that I thought about the night before. Um, but he's really giving some thought to it. He's meditating on it. He's, he's, he's praying through it. Uh, and, and, you know, this, this heart conversation, I believe, that's going on between him and God. So, verse 18, he gets, this is, it gets weird, all right? Concerning the conditions of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. They're like Jojo. Well, maybe not quite that nice. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. Isn't that a lovely thought? God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. Like is italicized, yes.
I don't know if I brought an ESV. Cindy, you have an ESV tonight, don't you? Could you read that verse for us nice and loud, please? 19. Our but beast. So that like, that similarity idea is kind of taken away out of the ESV. Um, so they are like beasts or they are but beast. In other words, and then he, he explains it, though, in 19. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they have one breath. No, uh, man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to the dust. Excuse me, return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of man, which go upward, and the spirit of the animal, which goes down to the earth. So I perceive that nothing is better Okay, I won't, I'm going to 22 yet. <clears throat> so, this is a disturbing passage, isn't it? <laughs> so, at this point, I'm going to show a movie. Either that or we're going to do charades, one of the two. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, let's turn to Psalm 14. It's a little different context, but it's very similar. It starts with the fool has said in his heart. Said in his heart. There's that phrase again. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And then the response to that is they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Now we're starting to sound like Isaiah here, which is also repeated for us in Romans chapter 3. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Again, Isaiah repeats this. Uh, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? See, this takes us back to uh, verse 16. In the places of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the places of righteousness, iniquity was there. By the way, who wrote Psalm 14? You should say it in your Bible. Solomon's dad, David. All right? They are, there they are in great fear. For God is with the generation of the righteous. You shall shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Um, So right around verse 5 again, it says, God is with the generation, or another translation says, God is in the presence of the company of the righteous. Here it says, God is with the generation of the righteous in the the New King James. Uh, What does it now say? Yep. 
God is with the righteous generation. Just for fun, ESV. Generation of the righteous, NIV. God is in the present company of the righteous. Okay. So um, what this is referring to in this particular psalm is that, that God is referring really to a day of judgment and vindication. Um, and and um, actually, without taking the time to turn there, Job uh, covers this as well, um, where, where Job talks about how God, does God vindicate? And, and yes, he does. And, and so what, what you have here, to me, this is, again, back to Ecclesiastes. So the movie is over. Anyway, um, he, he's testing them so that they may see themselves that they are, have that, they are butt beast or they are like animals. See, that, that word like is inserted because that's how they are interpreting this passage, right? Um, and because what happens to animals, or what happens to humans happens to animals, does it not? They both die. Now, 21 is very hard, verse 21, is incredibly hard to translate from the Hebrew into English. And I'm not going to bore you or bother you with all the fighting about what this is actually trying to say. Um, but in some respects, does not this verse appear to maybe deny the afterlife? No? They do? I can't hear you. H- humans. It could. The idea of humanity being in the spirit in verse 21 might not actually say that. So they're, they're, it's, it's very hard to translate that. Um, and I think he's, he's speaking more abstractly than he is prophetically. Does that make sense? Instead of this firm declaration of what is, he's, he's speaking more in the abstract, and he, he's talking about how we observe as humans. People die, animals die, right? Um, is it Genesis 3.19? I think it's Genesis 3.19. I'm going to turn to it because if it's not Genesis 3.19, go ahead and read it. Okay. So that's what God says about humanity. So, Yeah. We have to remember, because that was, again, this is problematic, but you have to read verse 19 in the context of what we've already read. And if it is true, 
in verse 11, he has made everything beautiful, there's that phrase again, in his time. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. So, from the outside, or looking just strictly based on physical observation, humans die, they go into the ground. Animals die, they go into the ground. But he has already said much more here. What he's actually, I think, doing is he's having like this little side conversation, right? This little, it's almost like a rabbit trail that he's going down, I think, a little bit here in this, but it's nonetheless is important and it's inspired. Um, but um, the, the, the King James translate verse 21, it says, Who knoweth, knoweth, the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beef that goes downward to the earth. And again, that, that, that could be considered rather uh, controversial. But there, there's four things I think that this particular little, little passage, a little, couple little verses really talk about here. Um, number one, God desires people to see that they are in some sense like the animals. Is that not what verse 18 says? Okay. So that, that we're, we're to, to look at our lives in that way. Now, again, of course, in what context? In what context? Um, exactly. Yeah. Without even really... Without really even taking into account that man is made in the image of God. But it's still, so we're looking at this from this viewpoint of everything that's under the sun. So in other words, he's simply asking for us to change our framework a little bit. Um, So God's desire is that that we would see that in some sense we are like the animals. Um, People and animals share the same fate, but they both return to the dust. We read that in Genesis 3.19. Um, nobody knows if the spirit of a human rises at death while the animal descends into the earth. Uh, although we have glimpses of that already given to us here in this chapter. Again, he has put eternity in our hearts. So when I, when I compare those two, and he has put eternity in our hearts as a very strong statement, and when I, when I go to other verses, which I think it's important to do that, and yet at the same time we can cheat ourselves out of what is being said here if we run to other verses, right? Um, I think it's a call for us to, to, to really to, to, to embrace the whole concept of our afterlife by faith. And to trust that that which God has said. Now, we don't have New Testament revelation written here. Remember that as well. 
I'm thinking John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We have the vantage point of looking at this from a New Testament perspective. He did not. Um, so he's, he, he's wrestling with things that we already have as an assurance. We have to remember that the non-Christian wrestles with these types of things because they do not have the assurance. So, you know, and as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking where, where, where Paul talks about the blessed hope. And the blessed hope is Christ's return. He returns in, in glory. He returns in judgment. That's what this is all talking about here in, a, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, and fourthly is this, that we ought to enjoy life as we have it. So, yeah, that was the fourth one. Um, God desires that we are in some sense like the animals. People and animals share the same fate. Nobody knows if the spirit of human rises at death while while that of an animal descends in the earth. That would be the third point. That's what he's saying here. And we ought to enjoy life as we have it because that's how he ends this little section. Um, where he says in verse 22, So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage, and for who can bring him to see what will happen after him. He's kind of repeating this, isn't he? Um, but again, this, this is looked at to where this is what, oops, what not, unchristian people, um, they wrestle with. So I, I've got five observations on this. That I and I don't I don't like any of them. The more I looked at them, the more I don't like them. So I'm, but because I've got ten minutes left, I'm going to throw them out there for you anyway. Um, because okay, before I do that, verse twenty-two asks the question: For who can bring him, that is man, to see what will happen after him? So reference is a question about the afterlife. All right? I think it's a great question. Obviously, God has put eternity in his heart, and so these are the things that he's starting to think through. Or The answer to that, even, Daniel, could be both. Because um, the context here is dying, right? And the context here is seeing it that we are as the animals. Uh, the context here is also he has put eternity on our hearts. Uh, the context, depending on how you want to look at verse 22, is that the spirit of the sons of men go upward. All right? Notice he doesn't make a distinction between Christian and non-Christian, by the way, just between human and beast. Uh, so I perceive that nothing is better than a man should rejoice in his works, for this is his heritage. In my margin, the word heritage could also be portion. And who, for who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Uh, a good question. Um, 
So I, I think that's, to me, I, I look at this as this is another one of those beckonings, callings, invitations toward faith and trusting that God, hang on, trusting that God is in fact going to bring us through to the other side. Uh, but I, th- I think God is very much in the center of this. He's just looking at this, can I believe, from a different angle and from a different perspective and, and dealing more from, now I'm going out on a limb here, all right? I think he's dealing more from a philosophical point of view, whereas Psalm 61 that you just read, or read a little part of, is David coming from a poetic point of view. And so they are naturally going to be a bit different. Matter of fact, the whole of classical literature is, the, is, the, is called the great quarrel between the philosopher and the poet uh, because they see things very differently. Um, as a modern-day example, the, 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 philosopher, the poet would be the worship leader. The philosopher might be the seminary professor or the scientist, for that matter. If, so, I don't know. I, I, again, I also would refer back to you on this, Ken, that this is inspired scripture, or else we're wasting our time here. You know? And, and so, he's, I, I think he's just dealing with the, with the issues of life from a very different perspective. That's my take on it. Un, unfortunately, Ecclesiastes is a book that a lot of people just don't like to touch. And I, I think to our... So... Um, Right, right, yeah, and 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 so there there is a partiality to it. But again, it, it, it how many people do we know, Christian and non-Christian alike, that only have a partial understanding? Um, <clears throat> probably all of us, really. You know, I, I, I I'm still learning things, and hopefully, I will continue to do so. Um, I think part of it, too, is that, that this is pre-modern writing. And we're trying to modernize it and bring it into our context. Of course we would. I mean, that's, that's how you, you try. That's, that's a basic hermeneutic or a tra- uh, understanding of from one, one culture to another. That's, that's a basic principle. You translate it from one culture to another. Um, and so we're trying to modernize it, and it 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 will get lost in the, in that type of translation, which is a cultural translation, not a word for word translation. Does that make sense? Um, all right, let me give you a couple observations. We'll call it a night. Um, first of all, we don't have the capacity for our own salvation. We don't have the capacity for our own continuing of life after death. That, that's part of what he, I think he's saying very clearly here. We don't have the capacity for this. Um, I think it's also a reminder 
Number two, to look at things from a spiritual perspective. Because I can look at this and say, well, he's looking at this from a human perspective, but, but as a Christian reading the Bible, it should call me into something spiritual. That's my opinion anyway. Um, and, and if not, you see, the road, you see this is nothing more than a roadblock. Um, thirdly, there is a common fate and a position of humanity. The common fate and the common position. We're all going to die. All of us. Unless Christ returns. Okay, you feel better now? And we get caught up to come back down with him. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, from the time it takes to come down, up. To down, that, that is a while. I'm sorry, which one? Number three? Number one, the last three, right? Thank you. Okay, the common fate, fate, F-A-T-E, our fate, fate, yes, not faith, fate. The common fate and position of humanity. And, and when you think about this comparison to nature, this to animals that has clicked into my head, he's really putting us on our natural setting, right? That's what he's really doing. Fourthly, God is able, comma, or we're in serious trouble. So God is able, that's number four. God is able or we're in serious trouble. And we can laugh about it because we know that God is able. Um, fifthly, and I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. This is a recognition, I think, that everything we understand about our belief a recognition that everything we understand about our belief, gosh, I can't write this fast. I don't know how you can do it. Um, everything we understand about our belief is according to faith. Everything we understand is according to faith. Because he is giving us a scenario of observation. You and, you and I are in the, we're in the same undergraduate program. Observation, right? So you observe, and then you break down the task. You remember all that? Um, yeah, Bill and I went to the same undergraduate school, just in different places at different times. Took the same, had the same major. And so you observe, and then you break it down. That's what he's doing here, essentially. He's observing and saying, and I did the same thing. I read it, and I came up with these five. Okay, so. Um, verses, New Testament. I'm just going to read them, and we're going to call it a night. That I think address this. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. That's number four, God is able. God is able to make him stand. 
First Peter chapter one, verse five. It says, "Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time." Jude one twenty four. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and preserve you, excuse me, and present you faultless. I'm just going to leave it at that. You can look at Jude if you want later. I'm sorry. Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And lastly, Isaiah 40. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So, that we have this incredible sense of assurance here. Now, all of this that I just read to you, Romans, Peter, Jude, and Isaiah was written after Solomon. So, it, 4029. Yeah. So, um, you thought it was tough this week, wait till next week. <laughs> 